<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey guys, Robert here, and welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast with Dustin here, as always. And before we dive in, we want to give you a quick word from my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Regardless, you've been betting for years, or if you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go with mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. With pro football, college football, and MLB playoffs in full swing, both hockey and basketball around the corner, now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. If you really want to support the team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. If you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I'm here with Rob, and today we're talking basketball. And basketball's not that far away. It's about three weeks away. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk some basketball. Uh, over the past weekend, the UVA men's basketball team and the women's team, too, had the annual blue-white scrimmage. Uh, super fun for fans, but honestly, doesn't tell us a lot about uh, content and you know what's going to happen. But me and Rob are going to try, nonetheless, to uh, dig some stuff out of this and uh, let y'all guys know what is going to happen this year in basketball. So, first off, I want to just start with the fact that, you know, I already said this, but it's really hard to take away things from the scrimmage. It's really weird. We've got walk-ons playing with starting players. We've also got, you know, they're switching teams. It's really hard to keep track of who's scoring points mm-hmm. and rebounds. They don't keep they don't keep stats. They also don't show it on TV. So neither Rob nor I were able to go to Charlottesville to see this. So we are all all of our stuff are coming from the highlight videos and uh, other people's reactions as well. So Rob, you ready to you ready to <laughs> do this? Let's talk about what we didn't see. Let's a talk. Bit. <laughs> let's talk about some of this mystery basketball. So first off, Rob. What's one player that you saw slash heard had a good game or good scrimmage? I think the biggest standout was probably Sam Hauser Mm -hmm. because Hauser, who will not play this season, but absolutely looked the part, which was expected, you know, lights out three-point shooter, 
big guy. We'll have to see kind of how eventually when we're able to see it in a better context, how he'll fit in and how he'll fit into the Tony Bennett defense. But Sam Hauser was lights out. If you look at the highlights, it shows him hitting a couple threes. Yeah. And I some, mean, easily, easily a guy to get excited about. Some tough threes too. Some, you know, shooting over people, stopping on a dime and pulling up. I think that he has a chance to be the ACC player, preseason player of the year uh, next year, not this season, but next season. Uh, when he's finally eligible after sitting out for a year for transferring, uh, and, you know it, it all depends on you know who what the who Duke's freshmen are that year and everything else. But I think Hauser has a really good shot at you know getting that preseason accolade. Yeah, right off the bat. I mean he's going to be a centerpiece for that 2020-21 mm-hmm. team. I mean he's going to be a big deal. Yeah, and you know, while some people are saying that this se- this team this season might be kind of a rebuilding year, I kind of disagree with that. But you know we're definitely not going to be as good as we were last year. Watch out for the next season. We are going to be really, really good in 2020-2021 just with the players that we have and the players that are coming in and the players that are going to be around there as well. So be on the lookout for that. Hauser's going to be really good. He's going to lead, probably lead our team in scoring that year as well. Yeah, he's going to be an awesome player. I'm so excited for him. Uh, One person that I saw, you know, Mamadi Diakite looks really good hitting three threes. Uh, just kind of catch and shoot threes as well, which is nice to see that he's got the ability. And, you know, he's always kind of shown that he's got that ability in games. He's always willing to take the three. Uh, I think that Tony kind of had him playing more inside last year, not so much spraying the floor. It'll be really interesting to see what Mommy does this year on offense because he seems to be able to take it back to the basket a little bit better than last year, at least against, you know, the UVA defense. Yeah. Also, it looks like he's really ready to step outside and shoot some threes. And with him and Jay Huff on the floor at the same time, it's going to be really interesting to see how they create space for each other and also how they spread the floor with that team who's really big but also can shoot. Yeah. And I mean, going back to Mamadi Diakite, you know, I think he's going to fall kind of in the middle of like these two scenarios. Like, like you said, it is very difficult to draw firm conclusions from the scrimmage because <laughs> it is a scrimmage. You know, you don't know if this is just a good day, a bad day, how these players fare against real competition, especially the new guys. And, you know, I remember going back, I forget what year, I think it was our fourth year. So it would have been the uh, 16, 17 season. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I remember in the scrimmage, Isaiah Wilkins hit one three pointer. He had another that looked like a three pointer, but his foot was on the line. And we're like, oh, Isaiah Wilkins is going to stretch his range out this year. Well, that never really happened. He had like one three the entire season. Right. But kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum, Mamadi Diakite, you know, having been in the draft process and pulling out at, you know, the 11th hour, that was something that was heavily emphasized. Mamadi Diakite, if you want to play in the NBA with, you know, kind of modern day floor spacing, you're going to be half, you're going to have to be able to hit the three. Even mm-hmm. if it's just a corner three, you're going to have to be able to hit it. So he's worked extremely hard on that, I'm sure. And there's mm-hmm. plenty of highlight videos out there of him working out with NBA teams, shooting threes and making them. So I think what we saw today is probably somewhat indicative of what we'll see in the season. I think it'll probably fall somewhere in the middle. I don't think we can expect three threes a game from Mamadi. Yeah. But if that threat is there and he can take someone off the dribble or even just spread the floor out with that threat, if he can hit, you know, on average one or two a game, you know, that becomes a real threat for this offense. And you know, Jordan Sperber, Dustin retweeted this piece, you know, that was essentially how does Mamadi and Jay fit into kind of this, you know, what seems to be a bit more modern UVA offense, you know, aka not the mover blocker, the continuity mm-hmm. ball screen. 
you know, they fit really well into that. And we know Jay can shoot it. If Mamadi can shoot it consistently as well, that's going to open up huge possibilities for this team. And really, you know, to the extent that we haven't seen before, maybe allow this team to be really run through the big men, because traditionally mm-hmm. in the past several years, it's guard play that has really carried this team. And, you know, first score right off the bat during the scrimmage was a lob from Mamadi to Jay for a dunk. So, I mean, it was a really, you know, I think kind of indicative of, you know, who the scorers are going to be on this team. It's going to be Jay, hopefully, you know, Jay, Jay Huff segment coming yeah. and uh, Mamadi. And, you know, it's going to run through them a lot. And I think a lot they're going to be able to hopefully slip down to the basket or pop for a three. And either one is going to be, you know, if they can hit both things, it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, one more One more player I want to highlight is Braxton. And uh, Braxton Key coming back from a, you know, a solid year at UVA after transferring from Alabama, but uh, definitely not kind of the offensive production we were looking for. I would say, especially particularly in his uh, three point shooting, and you know, surprisingly finishing at the rim. Uh, today, from what I saw in the highlights, or not today, but you know, on Saturday, mm-hmm. what we saw is that Braxton has gotten much better at finishing. He finished through traffic, had a couple and ones. And he seemed much more comfortable. And he's also said this, you know, working on finishing the basketball at the rim was something that he's been uh, doing all summer. And so it looked like, and we're hoping, that it stays that way. And so hopefully Braxton can finish at the rim at a higher clip this season. Yeah, and I I think it says a lot about kind of what the team thinks of Braxton Key, that he was, you know, the guy invited down with Mamadi Diakite for ACC Media Days. I don't really know who else it would be, but right. it was Braxton. And I think it's good for him and kind of a vote of confidence as well as in, hey, you know, you're a senior now. You know, we want you to, you know, be this great player for us. And I think, I, I don't think he's a DeAndre Hunter type player. I think mm-hmm. his offensive game is still somewhat limited. And, you know, I know just from some other highlights that I saw of the scrimmage that he did miss a couple of three pointers mm-hmm. during the scrimmage. But, you know, if he can, you know, bump it up from what what he was like 31, 32 percent from three last year, if he can get up to mid to high 30s, that's a huge step, you yeah. know, for the offense. And if he can finish at the basket, you know, he's never going to be a guy that's scoring 15, 20 points a game. But if he can get to eight to 10, you know, that's that's a big step forward because the whole the whole thing this season is you're losing 65-ish percent of your scoring. I read the exact number somewhere. It's somewhere around 65 mm-hmm. from last season. You know, where does it come from? Obviously, we're talking about Jay and Mamadi, but Braxton is obviously a big piece of that as well. Yeah, and I think the thing about Braxton is, you know, he's he's a defensive stopper. He's a defensive rebound machine, and he's able to guard positions one through, you know, five maybe if, you know, they've got a small uh, center but he he was never really the offensive threat that you know i think uva fans were hoping for kind of the the deandre hunter 2.0 mm-hmm. he's not that and i think no. we know that now but if he's able to you know finish at the rim he's he's a big guy so if he can back his guy down he's a good passer he can pass out of the post you know i think there's a lot of really good things that we can do with him mommy and jay on the floor all at the same time passing and working with each other and I think our team's going to be super big this year. Yeah, I mean... Just based on, you know, who our good players are. Absolutely. If we want to talk about Jay Huffmore, you know, one thing from the Jordan Sperber article was uh, he doesn't think there's a better player in the country that averaged four points a game last season, which is kind of crazy about we talk about Jay Huff all this time, and 
you know, he averaged four points a game last season mm-hmm. and like very limited minutes. And how this offense kind of adapts around Jay Huff's talents and is able to utilize them, most likely not in the mover blocker, is going to be a big part of the season because if the scoring is going to funnel through Mamadi and Jay, who, you know, TBD, if they start on the floor together, I'd, I'd be curious to know like what's going on in practice. If we are starting to get any indications of what the starting lineup will be, we know it'll change many times throughout the season. But I think we generally agree that the best offensive potential for this team is when both of them are on the floor at the same time. So right. the ability to maximize their talents, you know, with one playing the four and the other playing the five, I think it's going to be a big thing this season. I think the, the, the dream for every UVA fan would kind of be Syracuse at Syracuse last year when, you know, Jay and Mommy were on the floor at the same time. And, you know, also with Kyle and Ty and Dre, but we were pounding threes really able to get whatever we wanted. And Jay was a huge mismatch for that team because uh, no one was able to guard him. He, he's he got guard skills even though he's seven foot one. Mm-hmm. And he can shoot the three. He can put the ball on the ground, take one step, and dunk it from the three-point line. Uh, he's a sensational talent. And, of course, the question that we had during every Jay Huff segment last year was, can his defense you know, keep him on the floor? Is his offense too good to ignore or is he such a liability on the other end that he's not going to be played and I think a lot of times last year Tony opted to not play him because of his you know defensive liabilities and you know as you see last year against Duke at Duke it was like the best example on one end he dunked it all over them yeah and then he just got cut in half by Zion the you know next play so it's a really interesting thing and I'm hoping and I didn't really get a good sense from the any of the videos that I saw, but can he step up his defensive game this year and either not foul every time or just block everything? Yeah, I think that's the big question and one that, quite frankly, I've skipped over a bit as well just right. because we're so intrigued by the offensive talent and the offensive of the same end, you know, the offensive talent that has left the program. Uh, I mean, you can just drool over Jay Huff's talent yeah. like, for days. I mean, he's got he's got everything you want. But you're not going to compromise defense. No. So no, Jay Huff, hopefully, his defense is at the point now where he can be, you know, a legit, you know, call it 20, 25-minute-a-game player mm-hmm. because that's really what this team is going to need, especially offensively, in order to, you know, stay in the top third of the ACC, which I think they have the potential to. But it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be kind of a grinded-out type year in a lot of these games, while yeah. at times we saw Virginia kind of cruise and coast by, never really in doubt mm-hmm. in games. That's not necessarily going to be the case this season. Yeah, this is going to be more like the early, not the early, early years, but the years where we were like kind of fourth, fifth in the ACC, mm-hmm. where, you know, we're good, but we're not like super good. And I think that just, you know, that comes with, losing three first round draft picks and also our center who played for who started for three years so I think it's going to be a a transitional year in the sense that we're going to see a lot of new faces this year and we're going to see a lot of new things this year that we're not used to uh defense is still going to be the same uh slowing down that tempo is still going to be the same we're going to have some good shooters we're going to have some good rebounders but uh where's it going to come from I think that's the main question and one answer might be Cody Statman. Rob, I, I, I'm skeptical. I, I know you're skeptical, skeptical, but hear me out. Okay. Hear me out. So Cody made a couple threes during this game. He looked comfortable. He was able to uh, catch it and shoot 
uh, at a good clip. And uh, he was a good passer as well, made some really good passes, not necessarily leading to assists, but uh, just passing the ball crisply, uh, getting into the pocket, and setting up his teammates for success. Can Cody be our fifth starter behind Mamadi, Jay, Braxton Key, Kihei Clark? I'd give both Woldetensai and Marcel the edge over Stottman there. Okay, now the, the only problem that we're having with Marcel and... Well, the 10th side is that neither of them know the defense that well. Statman's been in the program for two, this is the second year in the program? I think so. Yeah, second year in the program. He knows the defense by now. He's looks bigger. His shoulders look bigger for sure. Uh, he looks more confident, and he is pretty athletic as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, the big hesitation is that he kind of struggled in the um, international events they had in the off season. You right. know, he was a guy that didn't play much last season. You know, you look at his game and he's quick, but he doesn't. He's just he's bigger, but he's still not big to the point where I think he's really able to use his body to shield defenders when he's getting into the lane. Mm-hmm. And his jumper has been pretty inconsistent from what we've seen. You know, he right. hit a couple shots, and that was the thing that was hyped up about him when he came in. You look at the way. His jumper comes off, though, and Tony Bennett has said this, you know, there's really not that much elevation, you know, from a shooting perspective. You know, mm-hmm. it. I almost feel like he's the type of shooter that kind of, if he's wide open, he's going to hit him. But mm-hmm. if he's not, then he's going to struggle to really get separation and get a shot off just yeah. the way his jump shot is. Now, that's something that can be corrected, hopefully not to the Markel Fultz level, yeah. but it's something that can be corrected. And that's the thing is shooting can be taught. So maybe it's there. I personally really high on Marcel. I think Marcel's going to be a tremendous player for UVA. Wolda Tensai, I think both his size and his shooting ability are going to be pretty critical. I think even early on, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, what is this move is, you know, as we decide and try to figure out what best fits our personnel, you know, from an offensive standpoint, if you're going mover blocker, then I think having a shooter of someone that is, you know, a of world attend size ability at least at the junior college level will be critical so you know i'm i'm a little more skeptical on that prediction mm-hmm. you know i think there's a chance here for cody to call carve out a role in the rotation but that's kind of as far as i'll go at this point i think he's gonna have to i mean considering the depth that we have at, or don't have at guard i think that cody's gonna have to play this year at least some mm-hmm. and let's talk about uh the other two people who i think are really in contention for that uh, last starting spot, the number two, uh, Walter Tensai, Thomas Walter Tensai, and Casey Morsell. Uh, Walter Tensai uh, didn't have a great showing at the scrimmage, made a three, but uh, I've also heard that he struggled a little bit with shooting and uh, maybe with the defense a little bit. But uh, fun fact, I like that he wears 53. It's yeah. kind of a weird number for a basketball player. That is cool. Um, I like that his hair is awesome, really luscious, uh, new hair, and uh, taking over from Kyle Guy for the hair. And uh, with Casey Morsell, I, I really think that, you know, he looked good. You know, you can see the talent. His body's ready for uh, for college. And he had some nice finishes inside. I think struggled from the three a little bit as well. And uh, let's also talk about Justin McCoy, who I think had a pretty good showing at the scrimmage. Uh, made some shots, played good defense. But uh, might need some time to learn from uh, from everyone. Yeah, and I mean he's kind of the dark horse candidate of that class. Right. You know, Caden Chadrick, TBD if he if he will redshirt, but 
he was a big get, and he's mm-hmm. the type of guy that as soon as he, he's able to really master the intricacies of the defense and really be able to add that weight, that he's going to be a tremendous player for this team. Maybe mm-hmm. not this year, but in a year or two, for sure, he has every bit of that ability. Morcel was, you know, very highly touted, you know, top 100. I don't know if he ever broke top 50, but mm-hmm. he was a very good recruit. And McCoy is kind of the late addition. And, you know, we're, I'm guessing he's going to play more of that three role. But, you know, he has a chance to carve out something. And, you know, players and his mold have really succeeded under Tony Bennett. So he's definitely a player that, you know, is going to have a lot of room to kind of grow into the upside that uh, he has the ability to get to. Right. And I, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Shedrick Richards is here. I think he's a really good candidate, too. I think he's a little bit small. You know, we've got a lot of front court depth this season. Uh, the only thing is you got to think about next season. If Jay Huff leaves and Mommy is definitely leaving, then do we need him next season to, you know, play or even start maybe probably not start, but he would have to play next season. If both Jay and Mommy are gone. Now, do we want to give him time this year based on that? I don't know. My guess is no. And I, I think that Shedrick redshirts this yeah, season. I'd like him to redshirt. I'm I, very pro redshirt in general. I know. And Tony I, Bennett <laughs> has done a tremendous job taking advantage of that rule. And you know, you were exactly right. Like 100% on point. Like the biggest decision that's going to come isn't so much this year. It's going to be next year. You know, mm-hmm. if they really think Caden Shedrick is going to be a focal point or at the very minimum in the starting lineup next year, then it might make sense to get him on the floor this year. But to the extent you can redshirt him, I think it'd be in his best interest and the team's best interest as far as his development. I think so too. And I, I think that it's important to remember that, you know, okay, if, first of all, if you haven't read Rob's article on uh, Who's Place, definitely go do that. He talks about how Tony Bennett should talk to Bronco Mendehall about redshirting uh, because Tony does a really good job of choosing players to redshirt who would really benefit from an extra year of development. And Bronco does not do that at the moment. And so I think you're right. Tony does a fabulous job. If you look at DeAndre Hunter, redshirted. Mamadi, redshirted. Jay Huff, redshirted. Oh, there's you know, Mal- name a few. Malcolm did a medical redshirt, but I think helped him a lot as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of players who have redshirted under Tony Bennett. I mean, even the transfers, not to cut you off, but right. an Anthony Gill who comes in, who yes. has to sit out a yes, year. Yes, yes, you know, he tremendously benefited his game. We're going to see how Sam Hauser plays out too, but... I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, every year it's like, okay, which one of the freshmen is going to redshirt? Because it seems like every year there's someone who does. We didn't have one last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. But uh, I think this year is a really good chance that Shedrick does redshirt. And I think it would really benefit him and the team as well. Yeah. And I mean, it'll be a player's choice. Tony Bennett gives the players the choices to do that. You know, I know with Cody Statman, he was told, hey, you're not going to play that much. Do you want a redshirt? And he mm-hmm. said, no. So it's a player's choice as well. Tony Bennett lays it out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I think it's in everyone's best interest if you can pull the red shirt, you know, for King Shedrick to, you know, red shirt him. Yeah, I agree. Rob, is there anything else you want to talk about the scrimmage? No, but I'm very, I'm sad I didn't make it this year, but it, it kind of wet my appetite a little bit. And one thing that I told Dustin uh, during the week is, you know, with ACC media day being last week for basketball, you know, Tony Bennett's just like 
incredible, obviously, you know, as a coach, as a person. And, you know, he's doing all these radio interviews and, you know, you hear one thing there, other things here. And, you know, he keeps bringing up the Purdue game. So, like, I went back and watched the highlights of the Purdue game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been so caught up in football. It's really the first time I've seen highlights of our basketball team in, you know, several months. And I was, I told him, I was just blown away by like how good we actually were last year. Like, it's one of those things you, you watch a team so much, you get so used to watching them play and their style and their tendencies that you never really step back and be like, oh, like these guys are actually really, really good. Like, yeah. they look like a real good basketball team you're used to seeing on TV. So I'm curious to see how close this team can get to try to reach that level. There is going to be a step back. That was my biggest takeaway from Media Day is that Tony Bennett is very upfront. He doesn't know what this team is going to be like. They're right. figuring things out. They lost so much from last year. Yeah. But it is kind of exciting and it's it'll be fun to kind of come in and I say fun now. I'm sure it'll be super <laughs> frustrated during games yeah. if it's not going well, but it'll be, you know, it's just like the start of a fresh journey and mm-hmm. seeing, you know, I remember that class when Ty and Kyle came in watching 17, you could see flashes of their potential, like that Villanova game yeah. where Ty showed out or UNC when Kyle Guy really showed out. Hopefully we'll get moments like that this year for some of your young guys. It's definitely going to be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how fans react, um, you know, because I know I was one of them, but I said I would, I would sell my soul for a national championship this year. <laughs> and I think we have. And, you know, we lost our three best players, probably the three best players we've seen in a long time. Uh, not include, I mean, you got to include Malcolm and Joe in there as well. But three really, really good, not only college basketball players, but basketball players in general. They're all in the NBA now. Yep. I think that the fan base is going, you know, we're used to winning. Over the past two years, you know, four regular season losses. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're definitely going to have more than four regular season losses this year. My guess is probably eight or nine, maybe even 10 regular season losses just based on the strength of the ACC and uh, the unclarity as to how we're going to score this season. But I'm excited for the new season. I'm excited to see how we come out after a championship year. I'm excited to have the target on our backs. I'm excited for ESPN to keep reminding everyone that we are the first team to win a national championship after losing to a 16 seed. Yeah, the only team. The only, <laughs> the only team. And I and I'm really looking forward to this season and uh, just kind of basking in the glory that is UVA basketball now. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it this past week between media day and the scrimmage kind of wet my appetite. So I'm getting back into basketball mode. I, I'm getting close we're good yeah i'm already there Rob. i'm already <laughs> i know in you are. you've been there <laughs> <laughs> i'm already in basketball mode. one more thing from acc media today uva picked fourth in the acc preseason poll this year right behind duke carolina and louisville uh syracuse and florida state are right behind us one quick fact we have exceeded expectations every year since 2012 it'll be interesting to see if we do that again this year i don't know if we will I would watch out for Syracuse and Florida State to exceed expectations as well. And I think Louisville is going to do better than people realize as well. Um, So we'll talk more about that once basketball season gets a little bit closer in November. But for now, I think this is all we have to say about men's basketball. So thank you so much for listening. This has been the Guys and Ties podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram at Guys and Ties Pod. Check us out on iTunes and Spotify if you want to keep listening to our content. We got football and basketball starting up now, I guess. So that's cool. And uh, go check out Armchair Media. They are awesome. They've got a whole bunch of content with uh, NBA, NHL, NFL, all the ends, 
are uh, are there. So make sure to check it out. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.